New Black Nation, your political digest with a Black conservative twist. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of New Black Nation podcast with Brandon Wong. Gregory Victorin. And we are so excited to have you back on our mini series that we'll be doing based off of David Nolan's uh, Five Principles for Libertarianism. Um, And today we're going to be talking about point two, as we mentioned in our last episode. Episode one was talking about own yourself. So if you haven't already watched it, I highly encourage you to go in and watch that. Um, But today we're going to be talking about a very interesting topic, especially considering everything that's going on and how politically charged everything is uh, right now. And that is the second point, which is the right to self-defense. And to start off, um, you know, talking about what it is, there's always a nice little paragraph blurb here that David Nolan gives us. Um, and we can kind of go from there and see how, how the conversation turns out. I'm interested to see how this works out. Um, But in his commentary here for right to self-defense, it says here, self-ownership implies the right to self-defense. Libertarians yield to no one in their support for our right as individuals to keep and bear arms. We only wish that the Second Amendment to the U.S. Constitution said the right to self-defense being inalienable instead of that stuff about a well-regulated militia. Anyone who thinks that government, any government, has the right to disarm its citizens is not a libertarian. In in an an exclamation follows right after that. So really strong, bold statement, as we see with a lot of um, David Nolan's Nolan's points um, from the libertarian perspective. Um, I'll start right out uh, with this question or uh, as a kind of starter question, Greg. Um, how do you f- personally feel about the right to bear arms? How do you feel about having self-defense? Um, do you think it's something that's inalienable um, that is always within our fabric and should always be upheld? Or do you think, you know, it should be upheld to certain restrictions or we shouldn't have it at all? Well, I do believe in the Second Amendment. So I do believe uh, it's your right. Uh, to have it. Um, me personally, uh, you know, I grew up around guns. My parents particularly didn't have guns, but I grew up in the hood. Uh, it's easier to get a gun than five cents to buy a candy. So um, that's second nature um, to me. But I do believe it's best to get the license to get it and get it legally versus getting it um, the other way around. Um, you have to exercise your right. This is your right um, as an American citizen. Um, and the only reason I don't have it at my house right now is because I have kids. If it had not been for that, I would have had it. And, you know, when the time comes where you're going to need it, it's best to have it ready versus trying to get it when when, when the hard time comes at your door. Yeah, I, I, I hear you there. I mean, in terms of having kids, I mean, definitely, I know, you know, the NRA has done so many classes and there's been a lot of um, gun ranges, I mean, including uh, gun ranges in New Jersey. And, 
um, all around the country um, that have even had gun safety, you know, for children. Um, they've had like gun safety classes and things like that for children. Um, and I mean, for me, on my on my perspective on it, I feel like it's completely fine to have a gun um, in, in your house or weapons in your house, so long as you are properly storing said weapons and you're ensuring that your kids don't have access to them um, independently, especially especially when you're not there. Um, and I think, you know, there's a ton of different uh, safety measures that you can put in place in your home um, to ensure that your weapons are, are locked up and they're safe away from the hands of your children. You know, sometimes um, most people I grew up with, they know I'm crazy, right? Um, <laughs> When you see your kids have certain trace mark of your of your childhood, uh, it's best to be safe, uh, uh, safe, uh, safe um, with um, with that. Um, it wasn't too long ago I had a, a bag uh, full of um, 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 hunting bullets. Um, I just I gave away. Um, the reason that I gave it away, um, number one, you know. Um, I was getting more involved um, in my belief. Um, number two, um, you know, it's just the fact that you know, I didn't, I, I didn't spend the time yet to educate my kids about guns. I learned about guns being where I was. You understand? Um, and luckily for me, um, the the hoodlums that I grew up around, you know, although they were doing what they were doing, they were still looking out for me in the sense not to get involved with guns, believe it or not. A lot of people think, you know, gangsters is all about them. No, some of them, you know, they have good hearts. So they didn't want me to get involved um, with guns. Um, they didn't want me to follow their path. That was um, their words exactly. But, you know, I, I think, you know, if we educate ourselves and our kids about guns and the purpose of guns, uh, I think it could have a big impact in our community and stuff. You know, uh, if you love guns so much, why go to jail for it? Why not just get the paper, your license for it, your permit, whatever the case may be, and have it legally? You understand? If you like to carry it around, why not, you know, go register yourself and do it the right way? Um, that's what I would say to a lot of people that love guns. Do it the right way. Don't risk yourself going to jail by buying a gun from your, you know, friends in the corner. Do it the right way. Get your paper done and get it. And after all, it's your right to have it. Right. No, I, I hear I hear what you're saying, and I I hundred percent agree with you there. That I think that you know proper uh, gun training um, would do our community extremely well. Um, because you would have more people who understand the the weight of what a gun carries, and they would also understand, you know, the level of responsibility that someone has when carrying a gun, and why it's so important to kind of crack down and um, speak to people about why it's not good to have, you know, unlicensed guns. Um, one thing I would find interesting about this is because, you know, if you if you look back to what he said in this paragraph, he said here, the right to self-defense 
being inalienable. So what I'm thinking here is that, you know, for example, your your freedom of speech is, is something that's inalienable, right? It's something that the government cannot give you, right? Um, the only job of the government is to actually protect your right to freely speak because it is an inalienable right endowed by our creator um, that you have this particular right. So I find it very interesting when David Nolan uses these specific words, the right to self-defense being inalienable. Because when he's saying inalienable, that essentially is saying, in my opinion, um, and I think it, it, it is pretty right to what I've seen, at least from the Libertarian Party and how they feel about a lot of things, that in essence, in, in the Libertarian standard, it would seem as if you shouldn't even have a situation of getting a gun license in the first place, very much like the uh, Libertarian Party, a lot of people in the Libertarian Party also feel that you shouldn't have to get a driver's license, like, for example. Now, I'm not saying that I agree with those tenants. And that actually, I think that's definitely some areas where um, you see my 100 um, percent disagreement um, with the Libertarian Party on, um, because I feel like if you didn't have a license, if you didn't have those mandatory training programs, um, I think, it, you know, things could really get out of hand because essentially you'd just be giving anybody a gun. And we already see how that's working out in certain communities, particularly predominantly in our communities, but also in a lot of other communities as well, when we have the illegal sale or passing of guns. So what's your opinion in how the Libertarian Party looks at that and basically saying, you know, just get rid of the the licenses in general. Well, I think an inalienable right. Well, I think um, you know, um there have to be a process, right? But I also believe, you know, the process is too extreme. Um, you know, the hustle that you have to go through to get um, a driver's license to me is ridiculous. Uh, you know, um, it, it's a money-making machine for the government, basically. So um you know, if the government is there, you know, um, you know, to make sure everyone, everyone have their right of speech, um, right of speech and, um, you know, one respect another, the government all had already set their boundary already. So, and, you know, I understand where the Libertarian Party, you know, stand. Um, I don't agree with it 100% because I do believe there has to be some process, but the process that we have in place right now is to a stream in Jersey, for example, if you want to go get your um, permit um, to, um, to have a gun in your house, they have to do a background check on everyone that's in the house. You have to refer family members for them to do background check in your family. Like, you know, what does my family have to do with me getting a gun? You understand? So the process is too much. Um, if you recognize me as a citizen, you recognize me. Uh, you know, um, has an alien or whatever status it may be, and you know where I live, you know my criminal record, why make me go through all that process to their own? So yeah. I think it, it, the process um, is too much, uh, and they're asking for too much information uh, from you in order for you to um, carry your, um, um, to get your permit to carry um, your gun. 
Mm. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And, and I definitely agree also in terms of the um, driver's license, uh, driver's license requirements. Um, I think, you know, you you certainly shouldn't be penalized for something that your family has done. I think when it comes to you applying for something because it's something that you want, um, it's, you should be the person that is getting um, investigated um, appropriately. And there should be, you know, a standard process um, that makes sense for someone. You want to check that they're not mentally ill. You want to check that they're not a part of any ter terrorist organizations. Um, you know, all of these basic things, you know, there was no robbery. There is no past criminal offenses. Um, you definitely want to you know, check those things and make sure that is at least in place. Um, so I 100%, I would say I definitely agree with you um, on that. And also in terms of the license, I feel like, you know, when it comes to licenses, just to go on a quick, you know, deviation from that, you know, don't want to go too far away from the self-defense topic, but it is an important issue as well. Um, yeah, there's way too much that you have to do to get a license. I mean, you know, I think the main thing that people should be seeing is that this, like, be, there should be a certification process um, for someone basically stating that they know how to drive, you know, and if they know how to drive, you know, then I think that is the major tenant that they should be looking at, you know, give them the manual, they should know the rules of the road, let them do that in their leisure. Um, but the main thing we want to see is that we want to know that when they step on the road, that they know how to physically drive you know, and they're not going to cause an accident the moment they drive off the road. Um, you know, so all these licenses and different things like that, you know, it's just another way of kind of like marking down people and, and signing an, an ID a number to someone. I definitely don't agree with that. Um, and I think there definitely needs to be some, some room for reform. Yeah, it's, it's controlling, you know, it's, it's collecting data on, on uh, information on people. Uh, you know, if you're going for your license, you know, you shouldn't have to take a 20 question or a 50 question um, test. You know, um, they should just be um, a driving school, like some high school have driving school to teach the kids how to drive and all that thing. So I, you know, I agree with that part, you know, show them the basic. Face it, not everybody, you know, could pass um, the, the permit test. That's, that doesn't mean that they don't know how to drive, that doesn't mean that they don't know how to do physical um, things or handy thing. It just they might have a reading and writing disability. They might have a certain different disability, but they could do everything else. So you, they basically the system is basically eliminating people uh, from the road and stopping people from getting jobs. Because if you cannot drive, especially here in Jersey, to a job site, buses. It's not like New York and Brooklyn or the Bronx where you could take a bus everywhere. Jersey is not designed that way. So you have to have a car to go to work or to do certain things. And if you don't have the right um, permit or the, the, the right license, you're driving without a license. Guess who's making money of that? The prison system. So, you know, it's, it's all connected. Um, you know, it's too much um, um, information and too much stress. Um, you know, just to, um, to get a driver's license. Yeah, and 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 same thing. I think applies. You know, with a, a lot of uh, things in certain states about uh, guns. It's in, in a sense they want to like 
you know, essentially put all of this red tape. So it's essentially saying it's basically um, making people not get weapons uh, without actually making a law that says you can't have weapons because it, to do so would be against the Constitution. So they try to make it as difficult as possible so that a majority of people won't have access to those uh, to those rights. And well, the funniest thing is that a lot of the people who particularly would be um, very disadvantaged in, in getting access to a firearm would be Black people, right? That's what it is right now. Right. That, that's exactly what it is right now, you know. Um, 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 you know, just think about it, right? They want to change the Constitution. Why? They have to favor them. You know, gun violence was never a problem until people started going, um, or I would say, um, you know, young Caucasian kids started going into school and start shooting at people. That's when gun become a problem. But the whole time we were growing up in the hood, there was always gun violence. They had never said nothing about gun violence then because why it did not benefit them at the time. Um, and even today, you know, with all the protesting, um, protesting that's going on, you know, there's still gun violence in our hood or in the poor neighborhood or, you know, in the low income neighborhoods. Nobody's saying nothing about that. So, you know, uh, it's all political. You know, it, it, there's, 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 there's nothing behind it, really. It's all political, you know. Um, they want to protect certain things uh, for whatever agenda that they have. So that's what they're going to do. But I do not believe people should just give up the right just, you know, because you're scared of speaking out or just because, you know, you're afraid of what people are going to think about you. Then, you know, if, if that's the case, then, you know, we, we, we all belong to one system. Yeah. That's true. Um, and it's it's crazy because, you know, and, and, and also, you know, I just, the main thing I see aside from, you know, first thing is that it isn't, you know, I feel that it is a, certainly an, a right that we have. It's something that's granted to us in, in our second amendment of our constitution. Um, we have had a history of, of guns and, 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 we use guns in different scenarios. Sometimes they're used for good and sometimes they're used for bad. And, um, you know, and a lot of times in our history, yes, we've had some times when they've been used in a really bad purpose in them, but there's been other times when we've used them to gain back control, you know, from horrible, tyrannical governments or monarchies. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a reason why we have, you know, these gun laws enshrined in our constitution. Um, and when we see what's going on today, you know, you have people who are looting and, you know, doing all of these kind of things all around the different cities of the United States. You have, you know, a really charged socialist left, uh, you know, Marxist left kind of groups of people who, you know, completely hate conservatives, completely hate, you know, everything that, you know, has to do with you know, this particular type of group. And you you never know, we're this close to having another civil war at times, it seems, you know, and, you know, now more than ever, I think it's very imperative that people are able to protect themselves, especially if you're going to have a scenario like these recent um, riots and things like that, when, 
the police departments and military have simply just kind of stepped aside or these governments have stepped aside and said, okay, yeah, just go ahead and take your caliphates or your, your, you know, three block or four block Chaz and chop, whatever they're calling them kind of streets. And, you know, and people lost their businesses. Like for example, that, that place in Seattle, now that they, I think, you know, they've gone in and they've corrected that situation. I think they sent in the military or the police before the military came in. Um, and they kind of got, I, you know, got rid of that situation. But before then, you know, they took over, you know, three or four city blocks, you know, people had their businesses vandalized, you know, they, they uh, had coronavirus to worry about. And then on top of that, now, you know, they had to worry about their businesses being destroyed um, or taken over. So, like, they didn't allow them to operate. They took all of their goods that, you know, those people or business owners purchased with their own money. Um, and a lot of them ended up, you know, sending legal suits out, you know, to people. And and when and, and because the police were not in those areas, there were several, you know, calls. There were issues of violence in those communities and 911 wasn't there to help them out. So having a gun in that scenario would have been absolute and an absolute necessity and could have made a difference in, you know, in protecting people who were at risk. Well, yeah, in cases like that, because I, I did see certain videos where this lady gets beat up, you know, for trying to protect her store. This Chinese guy, you know, his store was destroyed, um, you know, because think about it, you know, some people probably had canceled their insurance, you know, for, you know, for their businesses because of, of the um, pandemic, because money wasn't coming in. So, People have to make hard choices and hard decisions, you know. So when these businesses goes down, that might be a whole family income that went down with it if they had canceled the insurance. You know, it's not easy to start a business and uh, and, uh, and to use our communities to go destroy other people's business. That you know, to me, that was sad. You know, that that was uncalled for. Um, um, it, it was disgraceful because you know you, you they're using our community to commit crime, and then they say, "Oh, we're gonna donate one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to bail you out afterward." What sense does that make? Why didn't donate that one hundred and fifty thousand dollars? You know, uh, in our school system, why why didn't give it for something positive? Why it always have to be for the negative? So you know, it, it's sad to see government officials pushing this agenda, and they are the first to call the cops if they ever feel like their life is threatened. Yeah, that's true, 100%. And you have uh, so many people out there saying that, you know, um, that, you know, in so many other communities, uh, predominantly black communities, you have a lot of people who are also on the other side of that spectrum and that argument who are calling for more um, police. You know, they're calling for more action. Yeah. Um, there was just, you know, another, yet another shooting in South, uh, South Side DC area, um, you know, and it was 11 and an 11 year old boy. And um, his name is Devon. Um, Devon McNair, I believe. Um, but uh, I'll show you his, uh, I'll send you uh, a link to his, um, to the, uh, to his death in the case. Um, but 
he was in the Southside um, DC area and Frederick Douglass um, projects. Um, and he was um, shot point blank. And people were out there, you know, protesting and saying, you know, Black Lives Matter should go back to Chicago, you know, because, you know, in our community, we want um, police here. We want protection um, from gun violence because a lot of our children, well, a lot of us, number one, are single moms and we're living here in these projects. And we um, a lot of our kids are the ones that are being shot and killed as a cross, you know, crossfire from gang violence and misuse of weapons. Did you and so I find that funny. Did you see the video that I sent? Well, ironic, you? not funny, but you know. Did you see the video that I sent you? How uh, yeah, I saw. Uh, yeah, I saw. Yeah, I saw it. Um, I, 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 I tweeted actually about that video. Yeah. <laughs> Half of the time, most people don't realize the only people and the only group that will pay the consequences in the aftermath is the black community. Yeah. What was the excuse um, um, Bill Clinton used um, and Joe Biden is using for the 1994 crime bill? They were saying, that, oh, they were black people that had also agreed with the bill. That was their excuse to justify the reason to why they passed that bill, right? Well, at the time, there were a lot of people all on all sides, I think, that were calling for it because... It, back in that time, from what I hear, and I've heard this from from people and you know in the black community as well, who were you know back in that time, and they were like, they were saying, oh yeah, well you know because there were you know people were getting stopped in the middle of the street, you know they were you know the drug epidemic was really bad as well, so a lot of people were out in the streets, and they, a lot of them did um, say that you know there were a lot of people calling for it. Trust me, I grew up in it. I know. And I can tell you, half of the time, those drugs was coming back by the same people that was putting the handcuffs in our hand. They arrest you in this block, two blocks down, they release you. Okay? So uh, um, uh, um, um, back in 1990, uh, you could go uh, Google it, 90, uh, um, uh, 94th Street between Greenmore and Church Avenue, all those areas in Church Avenue, right? Um, listen, crack was so big in that area. Bookdale Hospital didn't have room to hold crack babies. So whenever you have, you know, cops, when they're afraid of coming to your neighborhood or they're afraid of coming to your black, the police wouldn't come in our black unless they come with a 15-passenger van full of them. That's when they will come, just to show you how bad it was. So now, if you're telling me that, okay, um, you want to get rid of, uh, let me re rephrase, you want to defund the police department, but they're not telling us exactly what it is um, defunded mean, because from what, I, from what I understand, they're not trying to get rid of it, they're just trying to reform it. Uh, our community, where we're from, the hood that we grew up in, the same thing that was happening back in 1994 when they passed the crime bill is the same thing that's going to repeat itself again. And you already seen it happening. So people, you know, are frustrated. I would rather see Black Lives Matter and those situations, you know, more. I'm not saying that situation is not important, but I would rather see them get involved 
on those kind of killing also. Because then it will make sense Black Lives Matter. I'm not saying whatever they stand for doesn't stand for, but I'm just saying how a 11 boy, 11 year old boy gets shot in front of his building. For what? What did he do? No. What did he do? He was just standing there. He's in front of his building. You just shot him for what? Mm -hmm. So, you know, these things are um, disgusting. And the fact that nobody, you know, Black Lives have not went back there yet is troubling. And it's just showing me more that Black Lives is not being controlled by Black Lives. Yeah, that's true. And, 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 you know, and just like the video you sent me, um, and just so for our listeners, um, feel free, um, stop by my Twitter, um, at Brandon Wong. I just, you know, I reposted it or, um, or tweeted something about it. Um, it, it was a woman, a DC resident, they didn't give her a name, um, and it's funny because these two things were from D.C., like, you know, what I was talking about with Devon's murder and then also now with this lady as well talking about Black Lives Matter. Um, she basically showed up to a Black Lives Matter protest and she was just basically saying that, you know, to the organization that you all are a joke. You know, where were you guys, you know, when everything was happening in, in the um, inner city communities when gun violence is happening all the time, you know, everywhere, you know, and where were you to say that this is a problem and that, you know, where were you forcing government to take action and actually do something about it? And in that video that you showed me, I did hear them saying that, well, yeah, I know we know there's a lot of gun violence, but there's a lot of people who are fighting for gun violence no, um, and, and, in the in those communities. And yeah, and I found it very interesting because at the same time, yeah, you may have some people coming out. It's a it's a couple of people who are saying something, but you don't get nearly as much as uh, of the press coverage. No, you don't of, of those movements that are actually trying to do something, and that's why we don't hear more about those those organizations. There are people who are trying to do things with the kids to get them off the streets to protect them from gun violence and things of this nature, but you know, they really rarely get media coverage and they rarely get traction so that people can understand that this is a very legitimate, serious issue that needs to be uh, needs to be corrected by whether that be, you know, bringing back some after school programs or, you know, doing more sessions on gun violence or, you know, and training on it on the appropriate use of firearms, etc. like more community policing, whatever you want to do. But you know, we barely hear about this from Black Lives Matter. The only thing that Black Lives Matter, it seems that they want to talk about is Marxism and white on black uh, police shootings, which happen very rarely in, in, in comparison to black on black shooting. You see, uh, uh, one, one of the things that, you know, uh, you, you said, which is important too, uh, there are all groups out there, but nobody pays attention to them. You know, uh, the media don't, you know, they don't make money off stuff like that. So therefore they're not going to cover it. Uh, uh, the, and the end of the day is all about the bottom line. But one, one thing that was interested, she was telling them the truth and calling them straight out hypocrites. And there was this black girl, well, you know, won't you just go away, get out of here. You know, how is it that you're gonna have uh, a white woman arguing this black woman about black life, which is important and what's not important. 
to me, this whole thing was laughable because you telling her how she should feel. You telling us how we're supposed to feel when we don't feel you are being just unfair uh, 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 um, uh, um, to, to the cause of black life. And that's what right. It has to be on their time and in, in, in the way that they make sense. So even then, you know, you have white liberals, like always, trying to control the conversation. I mean, I've also, you know, I've also had this conversation, you know, with my uh, with my boyfriend, actually, when we, we were talking one time about, you know, me saying that I'm not oppressed. I was saying the same thing that this woman from D.C. was saying in her video. You know, I'm black and I'm not oppressed. And I don't feel oppressed. And it really annoys me when I when I hear that everyone wants to make this blanket statement that if you're black, that means that you're going to be oppressed and that you're going to not be able to go as far as you want to go because you're black. And you have to keep that in mind because systemic racism is there and you're not going to be able to get ahead. You know, and and I was basically arguing it with, with him and saying that, you know, that those type of statements completely defeat a person like that makes a person not want to succeed it makes a person just want to sit there and say okay that's the narrative then i guess you know i guess because i'm black i'm never going to get ahead you know i'm never going to catch a break you know and if that's the case then what the hell is the point of even doing what i'm doing what's the point of me going to school to better myself what's the point of me you know, daring to do something different with my life? What's the point of me, you know, debating back and forth about reform and change? You know, because you're clearly just telling me that because I'm Black, you know, I'm not going to do anything with my life, you know? And, you know, people feel as though they're woke because, you know, they're participating in, in these movements. But at the same time, they don't even realize that they're the ones who are setting the agenda, the vast majority of the people who are at this protest are overwhelmingly white and they're talking about what, you know, what, what their demands are, you know, and for black people or, or on behalf of black people, but the vast majority of them would not even step foot into a black community because they'd be too afraid to. So <laughs> I really just don't understand that. <laughs> uh, it's white guilt. So, um, you know, and which is what I'm telling um, a lot of people, you know, you don't have to act a fool to make me see that you're on my side. Uh, is you know, common sense. Everybody know what happened was wrong, um, but it wasn't the first time that it happened. Um, it happened doing Dr. King. It happened doing Malcolm X. It happened, it's been happening. You, you understand? And, you know, what is the change? What is it that we want? What is it that we're asking for? Um, you know, so I, I just think, you know, the whole thing, um, you know, like you say, if because I'm black, you know, I'm already defeated, so why try to do anything? So, I, you know, it's a mind thing. It's a mental thing. You know, they, they're controlling your mind by making you believe what you are and what you're supposed to be and they basically destroy any hope that you may have. Because if you're hopeless, then it's easier for them to control you. And, and we're seeing it happen right now. 
the reason that all you know people are attacking people, they're burning people's stores, is because it's easy to control them when they're mad. So if you take the anger out of it, guess what? You can't do no more. Control us. So I just think people need to sit down and look at themselves in the mirror and examine their own head and ask themselves questions. Um, you know, we hear saying, you know, um, white people this, white people that, but I haven't seen a white man come in my bus stop and pee in the bench where people need to sit. I haven't seen a white man come, you know, and, and, and um, let their dog walk in the street and dump and just walked away. Who's destroying our black? It's us. It's our own kind that's destroying our blacks. So what we need to do, we need to look at ourselves in the mirror and examine our head and ask ourselves a question. What are we doing, you know, to fix our own neighborhood? I was talking to a friend earlier and he said something to me that, you know, I, I was like, whoa, it blows me. He said in his neighborhood, the college that they have around, they have a bunch of um, white kids come in their community. Guess what they were doing? They were cleaning up and planting flowers. Wow. That's good. You understand? Why is it that you couldn't, why can, why we couldn't do that? You understand? So you want to go out and destroy, but you're not building, you're not fixing. If we fix our neighborhood, we make it safe for our children to walk down the street and go to school. We remove all the graffitis, the gang uh, um, signs and everything off the wall. We paint everything. We pick up all the garbage. We use the garbage can they put in the street. Don't throw your garbage on the floor. Just hold it in your hand. Wait until you get in the end of the block, put it in the trash can. That will make a lot of difference in our neighborhood. Right. But yeah, and it's almost like a de it's a defensive a posture there because, you know, when you're doing those type of activities, you're defending yourself because, you know, keeping on the guise of, you know, self-defense, because this is also another form of self-defense, is really just protecting your yeah. area. Yeah, yeah, protecting your own area, protecting your 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 kingdom in a sense, or your small kingdom, which is your home. And we have it, it's it's very interesting because we have you know I hear a lot of times people in these communities say, well, we don't care about these you know these businesses. These businesses are not our businesses. We don't own this these businesses. We don't own our homes. We don't care about this because you know we don't own any of this stuff. So we don't care about uh, what this is. Maybe if we owned this stuff, we would care more about it. But that should never be the case because at the end of the day, you're still living in that space. You yeah. still have to see that space every day and take from the resources of that community every day. And regardless of if you own it with your own money or not, you still it still contributes to your quality of life. And that's defending yourself or having self-defense as well because you're defending your mental stability because you have to have a clean environment and in an open environment where you can feel safe, you know, to prosper. I have a friend that said, well, these people, they just came and occupy our neighborhood. And I was like, you're right. I say, I told him, you know, why didn't you occupy your neighborhood? You understand? So you mad at them for coming and occupy your neighborhood. You're still buying from the grocery store they open. 
you're still using the laundry mat that they open. You're still buying the alcohol that they came and open in your corner where your kids are going to school. You're still supporting them. So, you know, at the end of the day, when everything is says and done, you still have to clean up the mess. The mess is still in your neighborhood. So you you destroying it because they, they don't belong to you, but it's it's still gonna be in your neighborhood. It's still gonna be in your home. So if you mad, people are coming to your neighborhood and occupy you know your neighborhood, then do what we're doing, get together, build something together, and control your community by helping small businesses in your community or by studying small businesses. But there's a lot of things black people could do to move forward together, but we, we do not want to discuss it because why? We don't know how to come together as a people. And that's the sad part with this whole situation. Well, and it's interesting because the only time it seems that we'll come together um, is when, you know, we have this narrative of it's the white man against all of us. But it seems like when it comes to us coming together because we want to correct things that we see going on in our communities, it's so much harder to get people to come out and support that. Um, and I think it's because it's easier to just go out and, you know, kind of pound the pavement and, and, and you know, burn everything down. You know, it's, it's so much easier to go and do that than it is to come up with a plan for how do we get more funding for, for our schools? You know, how do we, you know, clean up our area or ensure that our area is always clean and, you know, and hospitable to everyone that comes in? How do we talk to businesses, you know, and encourage businesses to come to our communities and support the local people in those communities? Those questions are a lot harder to solve than just going out and, you know, demolishing statues or, you know, burning something down or looting someone's business. You know, it's very easy to do that. So I think you can see people coming out to do that. But I would even go out and say that we still haven't had a huge a huge um, uh, following of Black Lives coming out for, for even this particular situation with BLM. Because like I said in the beginning of our segment, um, a lot of BLM seems to be white liberals or Hispanic, you know, liberals, right? So, you know, I, I don't see a ton of, um, of Black people. I think, you know, uh, one thing that the liberals always say about Candace Owens and her Blexit movement is that where are all the black people, you know, and it's like, yeah, you see some black people going in there, you know, but I see a lot more white people than I see, and then I see black people at a lot of these events. Yeah. Or if that's just me or like, <laughs> do you agree with that? I mean, well, you know, that's the thing. Nobody wants to have the discussion. Um, nobody wants to look at themselves in the mirror. So, um, you know, they don't want to hear the truth. I don't care if the truth is coming from a monkey. I don't care if it's coming from the whitest white. As long as the truth that you're speaking, and I could go do my own research to validate uh, what you just say, I'm good with it. But the thing is, we do not want to hear the truth. We do not want to look at ourselves in the mirror. We do not want to learn about ourselves. 
And, you know, one of the biggest problems that we have, you know, with all these things going on, you know, all these um, problems, none of these kids, you know, half of them out there doing these things, you know, they don't have a home to go to. When I say a home, like they, there's no structure in the home. So all this have to be um, put into context. So who's raising these kids? The television is raising, is raising them. The entertainers are raising them for you. The rappers are raising them for you. So if there's nobody home to turn off the TV and give them the book, this cycle is going to continue. It's not going to stop because the, the work still at the home. Regardless of how people feel about it, a parent's job, first job, is their uh, responsibility, is their kids. If, if you're not doing that and you just let your kids run wild, guess what's going to happen? This thing's going to continue. So, you know, uh, and then when they get in the street, you know, someone introduced them to this crime, um, life of crime, or these drugs, or these guns, you know, then, you know, they get sucked into this life because nobody was there for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, I think the the easiest answer to, you know, at least beginning the steps to reform would be that it has to be a community effort. You know, it has to be people coming together and saying enough is enough and not just in one, not just one or two or a hundred people coming together, but the entire community has to come together and say, you know, we have to make a change and, you yes. know, we have to contribute to the posterity of our, of our, of our community and take the defense of our communities into our own hands effectively. Yes. If things ever get back to normal, when, when, when we're ready to give our flags, I'm going to be going from door to door. I don't care if you like me, if you don't like me. I, I, I don't care what your, 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 your drama is. I'm going to come and put a, a, um, a, um, a flyer in your mailbox. I'm going to come and knock on your door to invite you to come to the um, 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 events and, and, and listen to what we have to say and give your piece so we could come together. You know, the thing is people are so afraid you know, to speak their mind. And you should not be afraid to ask questions. You should not be afraid to give your opinion. You should not be afraid. We may not agree in everything, but guess what? If we respect each other, that's fine. They should, there won't be no division as long as there's respect. We, we, we may disagree, but we still respect each other. We refuse to respect one another. We always in competition with the next person next door to us. This person have a hundred fifty thousand dollar car. I don't know how he got the money. I want a hundred fifty thousand dollar car. No, it cannot be this way. You understand? So our mind is poisoned to want things that we didn't work for. In order for us to get things, we have to resort to violence. And robbing people houses, robbing people in the street. Again, when people are being robbed, you call the cops. The cops are not coming on time. They're going to need to defend themselves because they have their families in their home. So it goes back, you know, it's, it's a cycle 
which is why, you know, I defend the Second Amendment. People shoot their arm, especially business owners, because now we see what just happened to most of them and their businesses and stuff like that. There was no cops there to protect them. Who was there to protect them? Everybody just stand around um, with, with a, a camera, you know, because they want to be entertained. It wasn't. It was in two cases. I see some members that was in the crowd that um, circled. Um, they put a circle around some cops and other people to protect them, so they wouldn't get attacked by the group. It shouldn't have to come to this. The cops are doing their job. Yes, there's crooked cops. We just need to find out who they are and we move them. But the importance of people's right to bear arm, especially if they don't feel safe, especially if they call the cops, the cops take, you know, six years or, <laughs> you know, to come, um, it's ridiculous. Um, and people should do it just for the sake of doing it because it's your right to do so. Yep. No, 100%. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And, you know, I think that was a, that, that, that's a really good, you know, way to address this particular issue. Um, I, people need to be able to defend themselves, but they need to defend themselves in the right way. And they have to be educated. And, and I always find myself coming back to this topic of education um, because I just find it so extremely important on all facets. You know, you, you cannot go into a war without a plan. You know, you cannot make a, a, any worthwhile change without taking some steps of pre-planning beforehand to ensure that you are ready and equipped, locked and loaded to do what needs to be done to be successful and execute. Um, and I think, uh, unfortunately, we're in a position where things just kind of happen, you know, things just happen on an instant, you know, things are not really cleverly thought out or pre-planned before things happen. And so that's why we find ourselves with, you know, organizations and that have us basically scratching our heads and basically saying, you know, does that really make sense? Or, you know, what is really the true purpose here? I feel like people don't have that purpose question. And, you know, because they don't have that purpose question, um, they make a lot of unplanned, uncalculated, uneducated decisions that can have astronomical effects that last well beyond that specific moment in time. Yeah, for example, right, I had, um, you know, when you say education is so important because a lot of people think, you know, I watch a movie, I see this person pull out the gun and just go shoot, I'm going to go do the same thing. And that's how a lot of young, you know, black kids end up in jail. They watch a movie, seeing people killing, shooting each other, and they go out and do it. I had a, uh, one of my ex in Pennsylvania you know, um, you know, one particular weekend I was supposed to go out there, but I was stuck at work. And one of my friends called me, yo, your girl died. I'm like, what you mean? You, she, she died, just spoke to her. You know, they was at the house smoking weed and they were playing with the gun and the bullet went out. 
blow her heads up. And the, the, the other girls that were smoking with her, all of them got arrested um, and they were sentenced. So regardless if it's an accident or not, they're still going to process you. They're still going to put you in jail. They don't care because why? You were not supposed to have the gun in the house. But now if you have your license for it, I'm not saying playing with the gun is the right thing to do, which is why, again, educate your kid about gun violence or any kind of violence is very important because they need to know violence is not good. How, you know, gun is, is not a toy to play with. It's not a water gun. There's hard consequences playing with it. And sometimes we're not in the right mind and we don't really quite understand um, the purpose of gun. We you know, end up hurting ourselves and hurting people around us because we do not understand um, the history of guns. Right. And people are just kind of like, and we, and we see that the, the issues or the negative results of that happening all the time. And, and you know, and I'll refer to um, our, our two famous conservative people who are in front of their mansion, protecting their mansion from Black Lives Matters and Antifa uh, protesters or rioters. And um, basically they had their, you know, uh, some they had a handgun out and went and uh, probably like in AR-15 or so, or I wasn't sure. Of, uh, I didn't get a good look at the gun. Um, but there was a, a, a stronger uh, stronger type of weapon. Um, but in reality, they they weren't really holding the gun appropriately. Um, you can tell that they were, you know, a bit out of training or untrained. Um, and it was actually a really funny... Um, the few funny memes passed around because of the way they were holding the guns. Um, you know, I think it's great that they, you know, were able to exercise their Second Amendment rights um, to basically protect themselves, you know, in, in, in that instance. But it definitely goes to show that, yes, you know, guns should certainly be allowed. Guns should, you know, be a part of the fabric of our society. But guns have to be in a part of the fabric of our society in a sustainable way and um, a way that is that allows a common person, you know, to be educated enough to know the safety procedures to use um, yeah. when they're handing, uh, handling, excuse me, that gun. Yeah, they watch too many movies. They're thinking that there's a, a cool way to hold a gun. Like, fool, please. There's no cool way to hold a gun. You have to hold it carefully. You know, some of them want to hold a gun above their head. I'm like, right, yo, please listen. Right, because they see gangsters in TV or movies yeah. holding so, it to the side or something, and they're like, yeah, this is how you shoot a gun, you know? <laughs> no support, no, you know, no hands-on safety, not making sure that anything is there. You know, they may not even know anything about the gun. They just have it in their hand. They think, yeah. like you said, they're shooting off a Nerf gun, and, and they're so far from that. Yeah, <laughs> power if you pull that trigger it will jerk your it, it could actually if you have a shoddy in your hand it could actually break your arm if you're not holding it the right way so you know i don't know people just watch too many movies if, um you know I, I i do think um you know um our children need to be educated in all level and all and all things they need to be educated on 
they need to know right from wrong. Uh, they may not agree with people, but they still have to respect people. I think, you know, if we have that in our community, uh, we raise our children the right way. Um, you know, and, and I know it's hard for a lot of um, 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 parents. I know they, I, I know there's a lot of single mothers. There's a lot of single fathers out there. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of um, kids. You know, that they're being raised by the grandparents, and the grandparents cannot do cannot only do so much at their age. So there is problem in our communities, and we have to face those problems. We have to stop. You know, just having babies just for the fun of having babies. If we're not, you know, ready to raise them, if we don't have no intention of raising kids, then don't have them. Wear protection. All these things is things that we need to face, is things that we need to discuss, and we need to educate our children, especially our young girls, you know, that they're, they, they're more than a, than, than a queen. So their behavior should be as such. And the same goes for our young men. Right. No, I totally agree. And, um, you know, and, and education first, you know, and in all levels, you know, as it relates to self-defense or really in anything that you can think of in your life. And um, with that, I think that's a wonderful ending to this segment. We're at the top of the hour. And um, I, I think it was a very fruitful conversation. So I thank you for engaging me that uh, conversation of self uh, self-defense um both um via the second amendment and mentally um emotionally etc um and i also of course as always want to thank all of our listeners for uh tuning into another episode of new black nation podcast um our next episode will be about no criminal possession laws. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, and I think you all will really enjoy that topic a lot um, because the Libertarian Party has a very interesting uh, perspective on that. Um, so let's, let's see what happens in our next episode. Um, but until then, you know, as always, you can always reach out to us um, at bwang at mbnusa.com or gvictorin at mbnusa.com. Or you can reach out to us on our social media platforms by searching our names, Gregory Victorin and Brandon Wang. So thank you again for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye.